0: Welcome to this special episode of CEO on the Go. I hope you're having a great day and enjoying your work. Speaking of which, it's important to enjoy your work and to be in an environment that's positive, that allows you to do that. And often that's not the case for many people. That's why a lot of organizations continue to be focused on their culture, trying to transform it in a way that can bring out the best in everyone at work. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. When it comes to creating positive cultural change, it can seem like a long, complicated and arduous process, but it doesn't have to be. It can actually be done more quickly and easily than you might realize, especially when you have a leader in place who makes that a top priority. I was fortunate to sit down with one of my favorite clients who did just that when he stepped into his new leadership role at UAB. That's the University of Alabama at Birmingham. He is Dr. Jim Hill, chair of the Department of Nutrition Sciences and director of UAB's Nutrition Obesity Research Center. Jim and I started working together just after he moved to Birmingham from Colorado, and it's rare to find a leader in higher education with such an entrepreneurial spirit. I believe that's one of the keys to his success and his ability to make a positive impact so quickly. He moves quickly. He's open to new ideas, new thinking, and he's doing an amazing job inspiring his team to think bigger. I have a simple case study that talks about the work that we've done together to help his department transform their culture. The name of the case study is Entrepreneurial Leadership Drives Critical Cultural Change. And if that's of interest, you can find it at workmatters.com forward slash higher education. And I'll include a link in the show notes to that. And even if you're not in education, it's still worth reading that case study because the same principles apply to different industries. And when it comes to creating cultural change, It's the human experience that matters. And there are effective ways to engage people and create change that can actually be energizing and fun. Imagine that. So this episode in particular is especially good to share with another leader you know who might be trying to inspire change and create a positive work environment. Um, On another note, I encourage you to check out the fascinating work that Jim and his team at UAB are doing in education, research, the the clinical work in the areas of nutrition, weight loss, exercise, and lifestyle wellness. You can learn more at uab.edu, and I'll include a link to the Nutrition Sciences Department in the show notes. It's a field I've enjoyed learning more about vicariously through my work with them. They've made great progress, and I've really appreciated the relationship that we've built over the last couple of years and look forward to continuing our work together. They're doing work that truly matters and is needed now more than ever. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Jim Hill. Jim, I'm so glad that you're here today to have this conversation. I know that you and I talked a while back, and it's especially exciting because you're an actual client. And a lot of times I've talked to other leadership experts and peers in my network, but I, it's so good to, to hear your perspective on your experience, and I can't wait to dive in and talk about what you've done over the past couple of years.
1: I'm looking forward to it, Gail.
0: Good, good. So I wanted to to take you back to when you first landed in your role. If you want to give people listening in kind of a a sense of how you landed here in Birmingham and and why you started with uh, looking at the culture of the department that you were leading.
1: So I was recruited here to uh, the University of Alabama at Birmingham in late 2018. And I was recruited to, to play two key leadership roles. One was to be the chair of the Department of Nutrition Sciences. I'll tell you a little more about that in a second. And the second was to be the director of a uh, research center funded by the National Institutes of Health. So uh, I came to play both of those roles. I had worked in centers before, but I'd never been a department chair. So the department chair role was a new one for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I know that when when we first spoke, you were pretty clear on what you thought the first priority should be, focusing on culture. So why was that the starting point that you thought?
1: Well, you know, coming in as a new chair, um, you know, I I met all my faculty. I have about 25 faculty and maybe 50, 60 other students, staff, etc., Um, And I wanted to uh, get them real excited about where we were going in the future. But as I met with people, I realized that they weren't at that point yet. They weren't ready as a group to start focusing on the future. And that's when, you know, I realized that I was getting ahead of myself. The culture wasn't right to do the kind of future visioning that I wanted to do. So I put the visioning on hold and and said, look, we have to work on the culture first to get the culture to the point of where we as a group can actually envision the future we want.
0: Yes, of course. I love that. So we're preaching to the choir today. So when we first began our work together, we created uh, an experience really for your, your group, something that was a little bit different compared to what they've had in the past Did you want to speak to what that was like and then kind of some of the efforts that you've made since then?
1: Yeah, we had, um, it was really an amazing meeting. We had uh, off campus, we had the whole department there. And you did a great job of focusing people on what they wanted to happen, not focusing on the problems of the present. You know, it's so hard. You get a group of academics together that you know, they want to talk about what's wrong and 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 how you fix it and you just did a wonderful job of saying no. What we want to focus on is what do you want to be? What 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 things do you want? And I remember that was an incredible experience and people once they got started, they were coming up with all these just Great and big ideas. And I think everybody walked away from that feeling like, wow, we have the potential as an apartment to do things we didn't even think about before.
0: Yeah, I love that too. And I especially like the fact that we were able to bring together so many different stakeholders. You had staff, faculty, uh, some students, administrators. You had a a really wide range of different stakeholders in the room, which I thought brought about such a great experience too. So, speak a little bit about what's happened since then. You know, that sometimes when I'm working with organizations and they have an event and people are fired up, it can fizzle after that or they kind of get back into their normal state. So what have you done to help kind of sustain some of the momentum? Yeah.
1: And, and again, Gail, that's where, you know, as you know, you and I worked together to do that. And, um, you know, I felt like I knew a lot about how to do it, but I think your guidance and how we continued that was, was really, really helpful. And, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative to how we continued to work together Uh, So we did a couple of things. We set up some visioning teams where we sort of challenged people to go off and think about things like uh, communication or collaboration, and we engage people at all different levels. In my department, I have sort of some really uh, senior people, some mid-career people, and some sort of junior faculty. And I think it was particularly important to engage the junior faculty. As I keep telling them, they're the ones that are going to most benefit from what we plan now because they're going to live the future that we envision, where some of the senior people may not have been around then. And I think engaging them, but, but, but even more, I think, is um, letting them know for sure that we were open to hearing their voices. You know, academia can be this hierarchical situation where, you know, there's some departments where you've got the department chair that's a little bit like the king that just does everything. And, you know, everybody just, you know, does what the king wants. And to let people know that's not the kind of department I wanted here. Yes, I'm willing to make the decisions, but I want input from people. And I want to give people the responsibility to, to lead some of these changes. And I think, It doesn't happen overnight. I think people wanted to make sure that I was really committed to this. It wasn't just a process we did and a plan goes on the shelf and nothing uh, comes from that. What I wanted to do is to make sure that these people were heard. And one of the things I tried to do as chair, when they would come up with ideas, I tried to implement those and I I didn't say no very often. I said yes to most things they come up with. And if there's one thing, I'm urging them to think bigger because all the stuff they came up with, we implemented, it was easier. And people now, I think, are getting better and better at at getting bigger ideas.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I've always admired your entrepreneurial spirit. I'm sure there are people listening going, how does he say yes so much? And I think so much of it is the belief that you have to begin with. If you believe that it can be easier, if you believe that people can, you know, move through change quickly and achieve great things, then it's more likely to happen. So well, in, in academics,
1: we spend a lot of time in our jobs. It's not a nine to five job. Most of us do it because we love it. And Maybe one of the downsides is separating work from everything else, but we spend so much time and energy. And you know, I wanted to create a place that I like being in. It's I, I'm here a lot of hours during the day, and to me, I want to have an atmosphere around here that's fun. I want to enjoy the people I work with, and I think we've you know we're we're not hundred percent there, but we are making so much progress, and I think. Everybody here would tell you that it's way more fun now than it used to be.
0: Yeah, I love how you're saying fun because that's something that people often don't associate with work, and it doesn't it doesn't go against being productive. Exactly. So I just really applaud you for getting to that point. So I'm curious to know what what you're most excited about now as you as you look ahead. I know that we've been talking a lot about how you've been working with your people. Um, so what's on the horizon for your department?
1: Well, you know, now I, I think we've, we've solved some problems. I mean, we had a couple of problems. One was communication. People didn't really know each other. And you say, well, how can that be? People work together all the time. But academics are, you know, they pride themselves on being independent. And there wasn't, I mean, there were people in my department didn't really even know each other very well. And so the communication has been something, And and as you know, Uh, that's a continuing process and unless you continue to work on communication it will break down and usually poor communication is the root of everything that goes bad so we spend a lot of time making sure we communicate the other thing in my department i have uh, faculty who who uh, do research faculty that do education or teaching and clinical faculty and some of those overlap but there was the sense of, oh, that's the research faculty. That's that's the, the the higher class citizens, and that's what they should do. And I came in, and what was amazing to me, Gail, is the education group was generating the funding. So even though the research group was, oh, yeah, we're researchers, and that's what we do, the money to run the department and make it happen was coming from the education group. And so we had a lot of those conversations. And I think a lot of the people in the research side never realized that. They were thinking, I get all these grants, and this money is fueling things, and it was just the opposite. It's the teaching that's fueling everything. And so some education there. Uh, One of the things that we've worked really, really hard at is bridging the gaps between research, education, and clinical. And, you know, I put out a call for ideas of people who could bridge those gaps, looking for examples of a researcher who gets involved in teaching or a teacher that gets involved in research. And that's helped a lot in terms of doing that.
0: Yes, yes. Well, there, there have been so many good outcomes, too. Um, mentoring is stronger, is it not, as well, in terms of faculty? And- mentoring
1: in, uh, you know, in academia, ment- mentoring is a, is a big thing. And I've been doing this for 40 years, and I'm not totally sure I understand what people need. I'm not sure people understand what they need. So if you're a, if you're a young faculty member, particularly if you're doing research, Getting funding is the major thing, and you're, you know, you're looking for everything you can do to get funded. And what we've tried to do is to help those people. And oftentimes um, they need help not just in how to write a grant, but in how to form collaborations and how to be a good collaborator and those kinds of things. So we've we we have a committee that we put together or we don't call them committees, we call them teams to look at how we can do more and more in terms of mentoring. And again, like communication, it's an ongoing sort of thing. People want more and more and more. And we're trying to uh, make sure that we really help these people uh, in career advancement.
0: Yeah, I love the, the way that you're you're paying attention to the language. That you how you're framing up instead of committees, you're using the term teams, and so it, it does create a different feel, a different way of being, even being. Well, comfortable you taught playing. me that, Gail. Well, I, you're you're <laughs> practicing, did I really? Okay, I didn't know you that. Did. So. I,
1: that's you, you told me <laughs> not to credit. use committees, and I listened and it worked.
0: Good, yeah. Well, I'm glad to know that I didn't realize that. So, good. Well, are there any other lessons that you might share for other leaders who are? trying to help their teams, especially, you know, right now, work through big changes, bigger visions. Everyone, it seems like, you know, coming off of the pandemic is rethinking everything, but they don't really know where to start and how to stay positive in the process.
1: My approach has always been, I've always valued teams. And I will tell you in academia, that's not the only way to success. There are a lot of people that they go in the lab, they lock the door, they do great science, they, 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 they succeed that way. Um, and I came in and I let it be known to the department that under my leadership, we were going to value teams and we were going to work together to envision our future. And I won't say that every single person has bought in, but most people have bought in or at least open to that. And especially the younger people, I feel like we're creating the right kind of environment for our younger people that hopefully they can continue this. At the end of the day, it's just more fun. It's more fun to work as a group. It's more fun to think about big things that we can do as a department. People always say, oh my gosh, we don't have any money to do this and that. Well, there's plenty of money around for the priorities. We just have to make sure we prioritize it. And I look at allocating money as chair as investments. Uh, I'm willing to allocate money to invest in things if I think it's going to pay off in the long run. And the long run probably is going to be even after I'm gone. But I think that's what I can do as chair, which is invest in things that impact the bigger group. And I and I believe we're getting there. I believe that our future as a department is, is going to be what we can do together. And I think that's really, I think we're, we're one of the better nutrition departments in the country, but, but I think we can even be the leader if we follow this Group we're we're a group, and here's what we want our department to be, and there's no other department like it. and if this fits you, this is the place to come.
0: Yes, of course, I believe that too. So you know, you haven't spoken much about your field to this point, and you are in a a, a booming area at least from my perspective, people focusing on nutrition, weight loss, all of that. so, can you speak to something specific that you're focused on as a department? The impact. I know you were focusing a lot more on overall uh, well-being and some of those themes. So when
1: we we did over the period of a little over a year, we did a strategic vision. We don't call it strategic plan, but a strategic vision. as you know, uh, I've been involved in strategic planning. A lot and most of it is worthless in my opinion it's not very good you come up with something that goes on the shelf and our our strategic plan came out with a powerpoint presentation of what we want to be and this came out of the group and what we decided our work is in the area of nutrition exercise weight management in other words how can we identify and help people achieve a lifestyle that optimizes health, and happiness, and the happiness is an important part of it. So in the strategic visioning process, we just we invented a new term. We invented a term called lifestyle wellness. We said our department is focused on lifestyle wellness. Here's the definition. And by the way, we're the best in the country at doing lifestyle wellness. So we sort of put ourselves out there and say, Here, here's what we do. Here's how you define it. Here's how you measure it. And by the way, we're the best at doing it. And that was fun.
0: Yeah. And a co-creative process too. Like you didn't have to come up with it on your own together. No. You all, yeah. Together you all kind of arrived at that. It,
1: it, it really, people really got involved. And again, if you surveyed people, probably not everybody thinks that's wonderful, but probably the majority do. And the majority feel like it is something that distinguishes us, makes us different and allows us to to thrive in the stuff we do best, which is lifestyle change.
0: Yes, yes, good. We could go on and on about that because I have a personal interest in that as well. So I just am so impressed with all the work that you all have been doing. So um, I was just curious to know for, for leaders who are part of a big system, you know, I have listeners from all different kinds of organizations and industries, and you're part of a larger system. Um, you still have that entrepreneurial spark, even within a large system, where sometimes that's easy to feel squelched. So what what keeps you personally motivated? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, I've always been entrepreneurial, even within uh, an institution like a major university. And, and sometimes it's hard to do that. Um, but it's not impossible to do it. And, you know, it's always, I've always been attracted to Big ideas and usually big ideas don't naturally fit under the way an organization is structured. You have to sort of push a little bit, and to me, that's being entrepreneurial at the end of the day. Us being entrepreneurial, I think, will absolutely help every one of our academic missions, and then also at the end of the day, like everything else, it is about money you know, our ability to do great things depends on our ability to generate revenue. We do that through grants and teaching and so forth. Um, And being entrepreneurial, I think, allows us to stand out and do things different that are both going to advance our mission, but be financially attractive for our department.
0: Mm -hmm. So you're more naturally wired that way.
1: And you just have to, you know, you work with administration and so forth. And there are ways to spin this. You don't have to go out and say, oh, my God, we're outside the box here and there. But you you, you can do it in a way that, that fits with how an organization works. It's not that hard.
0: Right. That goes back to your belief. If you think it's hard, it will be. If you don't, then right. it doesn't have to be so. Yeah, that's a lot of the work that I've been doing lately is helping leaders uh, really become more aware of what their thought process is, not just what they're doing, but how they're thinking. So good. Well, I know we could talk a lot because we just, when you and I like to generate a lot of ideas. So um, I've so enjoyed working with you. I I just wanted to know if there are any final tips or pieces of advice that you might have for people who, who, like I said, who really want to do something big and bold. Maybe they're not the entrepreneurial type you know where where might they start any other thoughts
1: well again a couple of things one and, and and I'm not just saying that but but having your help was was really important i feel like i have a lot of skills in these areas but your help in being a sounding board and help guide me was really great And I guarantee you in most organizations, if the leader is not creative, there are people who will be creative, give them the opportunity to be creative. You know, I feel like I have great ideas, but as, as we went through this process, some of the best ideas came from my people that I would, I didn't think of. And it's like, holy cow, that is great. So don't be afraid to to uh, latch on to an idea that comes from someone in your group. It doesn't all have to come from you. I think what I can do is throw out ideas which get people thinking, but sometimes they come up with a a better way of of doing it or a better idea than I could have. And, uh, you know, I, I love surrounding myself with people that are smarter than I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So trusting the process is a Absolutely. big part of it and trusting your people. And and
1: let people know that you're listening. And if they come up with ideas, enact them. You know, the worst thing is you get all these ideas and nothing happens. And people say, well, yeah, why Why am I spending effort? It's not going to happen. So I try to make it happen when I can.
0: Yes. One of my most recent podcast guests was talking about the skills uh, kind of the new skills that are needed or, or with the new way, the more modern leadership kind of way. And she was saying that listening is one of the key skills, as well as being more invitational, you know, not not telling, not communicating, not forcing your plan on others, but but really pulling people, pulling their best out of them and being that invitational kind of leader. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you have modeled that beautifully already. You're clearly ahead of your time. So. Uh, but we're and having I think, fun. Yeah, and, you know, so. yeah
1: largely due to your help, that uh, we are well, at a much better place than we were a couple of years ago.
0: I appreciate that so much and didn't anticipate that. And I, and I haven't even paid you. So I just want to make sure that that's clear. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled to have a, a person that I've actually worked with. Some other people who've listened to the show said, we'd love to hear from your clients. And I said, I've got a great one that's coming yeah, up. Yeah. And so. as you
1: know, we hope to continue working together. This is a continuous process. You don't, you don't finish it. It's always a work in Progress.
0: Yeah, and that's a mindset there too, you know, compared to other people who may have been conditioned to think, well, there's this destination that we're trying to arrive at. If you're growing, then your destination changes and it expands. So, um, yeah, we'll figure that out as we go along. So, I won't keep you, but again, thank you so much, Jim, for sharing a few thoughts and insights about your experience. I know that it will be helpful to other leaders who care about these issues too. So I look forward to continuing our conversation offline.
1: Well, thanks, Gail. It's really been fun. Thanks for having me on.
0: Good. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.